Great. Let's call this meeting to order. Uh, we do the roll call in person, I guess. Start at Carl, if you just say your name and move on and down. And you can pull the little microphone so that it kind of works better. And yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Carl Brown. Margaret Beck. Noah Stork. Jordan Seligren. Kevin Boyd. Deanna Thoman. Frank Wagner. And we've got Sherry DeGraw on her way in for the minute taker, although I guess we've got video now. Um, all right, on to item C, public discussion of anything not on the agenda. I don't know if anyone's, if you're here for that. If not, looks like we don't have anyone. Um, so we're on to item D, the certificate of appropriateness um, uh, for 114 North Gilbert Street. Okay, 114 North Gilbert Street is in the Jefferson Street Historic District. Let me use my mouse this way. This is a, a picture of the front of the house as it was uh, prior to August uh, 2019. This is a, um, a, a front gable with a wing. It's brick. It was built just before 1900, I believe. It's in the staff report. Um, there are several projects that will be going on on this property. Uh, without a permit, the porch was mostly rebuilt. All of the columns and rails were taken away. Um, the porch structure was rebuilt, um, the, the several things. And currently uh, there's an approval out there to reinstall the, um, the columns because they were saved and I think at least one needed to be reconstructed and to uh, rebuild railings. Now since yeah, I can see they it. removed the railings and this porch is uh, above the code required uh, like 30 inches, they will be installing a, a black metal rail above the solid panel baluster in order to create the extra height that they'll need by code. The project will also um, rebuild all of the internal gutter pans, which is a really great project that needs to happen probably once every 80 to 100 years or so. And they will be installing a new standing seam metal roof. We've also approved um, the removal of these modern dormers. There's one on this side of the house here. And uh, the current project is the chimney. The chimney is deteriorated. You can see that you can see it across the street, okay. nearby locations. Um, here it is from the back, and you can see it is, you know, a fairly basic chimney. It does have this step out and step in detail. Uh, it's a little bit more architecturally ornamental than some straight chimneys. You can also see that while it likely has the same or similar brick to the house, these tight mortar joints that are actually kind of a reddish color on the house, they're no longer visible anymore in the chimney. The chimney's been repaired with a variety of methods that are not uh, typically considered appropriate for historic brick. It's also been covered with a stucco coating and is 
is highly deteriorated. It would need to come down at least to the roof line and be rebuilt if it is to be retained. And the chimney has actually been damaged further uh, below the roof line. The applicant is here and they have submitted a letter a little bit more about um, the damage in the chimney inside and also some comments about some of the recommendations. So I'll go into that a little bit more. Um, part of the problem here is to rebuild a chimney like that, once it's damaged even below, you know, you start getting really invasive to the interior of the house to try to rebuild that chimney, depending if it's plastered off or not. Um, it, it can be extremely difficult. That doesn't mean it can't happen, it's just what is the degree of work that would be required. Here's another shot of it. It's uh, pretty tall. Um, and as you can see, it's just, it's in pretty bad condition. Now, the applicant uh, put in an application to take it down to the roof line and then rebuild it in uh, frame construction and put a, um, a product that we have samples of here today, um, kind of to make it look like brick. It's a cement board product. In the packet I showed you, they use that on the entry doors um, for the entry area for John's Grocery. Now, the staff opinion on that was questioning whether or not they could really create that kind of step pattern with it. And they've um, brought in samples. Do you, did you give me that um, image of it or are you? Oh, it's in here. Is it in here? Is it in one of these? It comes with a corner piece that could be used in either direction to create that step. And I'll just kind of show it to you here. something that looks like the stepping out and in of the top of the chimney by using this type of material. This is not something that we have um, seen before, at least here. And they also brought in samples, um, a variety of colors. The, this is probably the one that we saw on um, John's Grocery. Um, this one's is a little darker, probably more like the historic brick. As you can see, the joints are a lot wider. Obviously, it's been incorrectly pointed and repaired in the past, so it's had pretty huge joints for a while anyway. Um, the other option that has happened in other projects is, oh, here's the John's Grocery entry, uh, using thin brick. And part of what they are talking about in the letter that they provided is just the weight of thin brick as a material once you get the actual mortar in there. Um, the applicant has calculated that it's going to be much heavier to use thin brick and mortar. You're going to have a sheathing base and stuff too, more than using um, this cement board product. So at this point, the recommended motion was to use a thin brick match, confirm the match, you know, with staff or something like that. Given the fact that they can make a more stepped appearance with the cement board product, that may be a possible alternative. It is also possible that if the commission decides this chimney is not historically significant or architecturally significant, 
they could just approve taking it down and not rebuilding it. So that is also always an option. Um, but that's currently the project that we have right here. Great, so just reminding folks, I feel like we're back in one place, so I should, the order of how we do this is we, once the staff report is given, we, um, as a commission, can I kind of ask clarifying questions, something you didn't understand. We don't want to get into kind of discussion now because we want to let the public uh, and the applicant talk before we do that. So um, we'll, we'll ask, I'm just gonna kind of run through it all and then we'll actually do it. So we'll, um, if there's clarifying questions, we can ask Jessica, again, trying to avoid questions that are leading to where you're thinking. Um, we'll open the public hearing, let the applicant speak, any other members of the public speak. We can maybe have a discussion, close the public hearing, and then discuss among ourselves what we think. So just kind of reminding folks of order of business, because I think it's the first time we've done it in person in a while, so uh, it's a little different than the, than the Zoom. So um, anyway, are there any kind of clarifying questions for Jessica about this her report? Not seeing any without having to swipe on Zoom. Uh, all right, we'll <laughs> open the public hearing. Uh, the applicants, you're welcome to speak. You're not required to, um, but if you want I'm, to. I've never been to one of these, so do I stand up and come forward? Yeah, you sorry. would come yeah. up and you'd sign in on the piece of paper. Yep. Is there a pen there? Yes, there is. Okay. Perfect, yeah, you sign in so that our um, minute takers can reference you. That's why you're signing in, so. Oh, and I also forgot that I can also make the lighting like this, so you can see the slides better. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm Jim Pinkerton. I'm actually from Waterloo. I lived down here years ago, worked down here in Iowa City, maintained connections with Iowa City, with John's Grocery, with John and Irma over the years. Um, this building, um, the chimney is actually dangerous right now because it's split down below the roof line. And part of that is because the stucco or the plaster, the mortar has, it wasn't the right type to begin with because it actually expanded and shrank differently than the brick. So it actually broke the brick apart. And we know how our Iowa weather is, the water, the ice, and then the heat. And trying to put in anything too heavy on a roof that of that age we'd have to add rafters into the existing roof on both sides so we don't add weight pushing against the opposite side of the roof so that's why having the the um, system here on the box would probably be the best scenario to preserve it i don't mind you know we could take the chimney down but if we do go with the putting a chimney up there having something that would look the same and make all the appearances the same and there's a sample in there that actually looks aged that would keep in line with the age of the building that would probably be the best scenario for the longevity of the roof itself besides that i have you explained everything very well <laughs> do we have any anyone have any questions before the uh, chimney now is not being used, so you got no. that enamel pipe no. coming up that's it vacated. It hasn't been used in probably 10, 15 years. So a water heater and furnace are vent no. power. No, everything vent. modernized, everything's been modernized, yep. um, even the electrical in there over the years. So everything goes outside of the building, or they use a PTAC system. Yep. So everything is, it's just a dead chimney, and it's just causing problems because the weight of that a lot of people don't realize that tuck pointing, you should actually tuck point things every 25 to 30 years on brick. 
especially if it's exposed. And the brick will last a long time, but these bricks that were used in these older buildings, they are coal-fired brick. That's how they're made. So they aren't as hot, they aren't as hard, so they deteriorate at a different rate than the modern bricks we have. Now, getting a better heat on the brick would make it last longer, but between the poor tuck pointing, and as you can tell, there's even a horizontal crack in the chimney, just a couple feet, about 18 inches off the roof right there, that actually goes partly into the chimney itself, besides the vertical crack. So it's just, it's actually gonna be dangerous to even take it down. But, you know, that's something we deal with every day. So there's nothing going up through that. It would help the, the longevity of the building to actually take it down and put something modern, as long as we have the same appearances. Questions? All right. Thank you for your Thank time. Thank you. Any other members of the public? Are you, I, just make sure you have. Oh, we're a party together. I think you can both both. The only thing I would add. Okay, sorry. If you're gonna, sorry, if you're gonna add, you gotta, you gotta come oh. up. <laughs> you're not required to. I'm just offering you the opportunity to. But if you do, uh, you gotta. There's some extended degradation I'd like to talk about. So when we started inspecting, uh, excuse me, I'm Devlin Matthews. I'm a, the maintenance technician at John's Grocery, and I also work with Mr. Pinkerton out in Waterloo. Uh, when we were inspecting the roof line of the chimney, we saw some pretty extensive damage surrounding the perimeter of where the chimney meets the actual roof cap. Um, there's some concerns about using the thin brick because of the sheer volume of weight we'd be adding to that. And as opposed to structurally reinforcing the entire building by adding new rafters to both sides, which we're still a little trepidatious about because the rough calculation we had at that height and width would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,300 pounds using that thin brick and mortar. We can reduce that in the neighborhood of 600 pounds by using the supplementary material. So that's the only thing I would like to add to that is that if we're already stressing this very old building, uh, the addition of another quarter ton plus of material probably isn't in its best interest or ours. Um, otherwise, I think between Jessica and Jim, most of it's been discussed. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thank you. All right. Let's close the public hearing and discuss. I have some thoughts, which are that I don't personally think that if it's non-functional, it needs to be rebuilt. I can understand why it would be suggested, but. Um, I'm not really, I, I, I just don't, I don't think that it seems necessary. So I would be in favor of if you wanted to remove it entirely, removing it, having made the choice to keep my chimney that was non-functional, even though it was recommended to be removed. So, um, and then I guess my main concern would be if, you know, upon rebuilding that it, that it's done so in such a way that it doesn't look like, um, like a like it it uh, as you know like it's ill-fitting with the rest of the house. Just I think that could be difficult. Aging it well enough that it looks authentic could be a challenge. Those are my thoughts. Jessica, can you take a show us a picture of the from the front of the house? Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's at the rear, so you really don't see it. 
I was going to say, I, I walked by this house coming here tonight um, and was on the side of the sidewalk there uh, nearest to the house and couldn't see the chimney from there. Um, of course, I, you know, didn't cross the street to see what it looks like from there, but I'm, I'm kind of in agreement that if you're not using it um, and we can't really get a good exact match to the house as far as mortar lines, it sounds like. Um, is that what you were saying, Jessica, that we would never be able to really match up the, the thin mortar? Um, I, okay, okay. You couldn't, right. Yes, right. Uh, I could see uh, a strong case for taking it down completely and not replacing it. thoughts I would accept removal without replacement also thinking I'm not sure how the materials proposed would look in another 30 or 50 years folks I, you don't you don't, not everyone has to talk I'm just offering folks opportunities to if that's <laughs> uh, I, I, I agree I kind of uh, clearly the chimney needs to come down and I'm not I'm not sure I, it, I don't know that the replacement is, is necessary um, because we're not, I, I just, for all the reasons other folks have said. I don't know if other folks disagree. If not, we should maybe think about what our motion looks like. So the application was to rebuild it in this. My suggestion if you felt at all that this could be approved, would be to approve it with the option of taking it down if that's the way you're going. Or if you don't want to approve building it in this, I guess you'll have to reframe the motion to just remove it. So we, if we wanted just to remove it and not replace, we would just end the motion after the word demolition. Yep. And there's nothing to confirm with staff. That sounds like what we want to do, right? I move to approve a certificate of appropriateness for the chimney demolition at 114 North Gilbert Street. Period. DeGraw is second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. On to uh, the certificate of appropriateness for, uh, for I'm sorry. Um, 120 North Gilbert Street. Okay, this is um, next door across the alley that doesn't go through really. Um, this is also a key contributing property, um, much different. It's basically a four square with an addition to the south. Uh, you have the four square shape, this bump out addition. Um, there has been some changes before the um, uh, historic district was created they added the ramp but it would actually meet our <coughs> guidelines anyway um, it does have a chimney it's a very straight utilitarian chimney that is also unused very tall and in much worse condition at least on the exterior um, there's not a lot of mortar left there <laughs> in a lot of places some big holes and uh, staff does not feel that this is uh, architecturally significant in any way and uh, recommends approval to uh, remove it. 
Great. Just any clarifying questions for Jessica? All right. We'll open the public hearing. You're welcome to speak, but you do not need to. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll close the public hearing. Any discussion we need to have? I feel like we did most of it in the last one. All right. Let's entertain a motion. Will you add the word demolition to this, please? Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. The demolition project. The demo. So before the word project is demolition. Yeah. Uh, I move to approve a, certi a certificate of appropriateness for the demolition project at 120 North Gilbert Street as presented in the application. Beck, second. Perfect. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. All right. On to, yep, thanks. Um, on to the Summit Street Monument. Good afternoon, um, Ann Russett with Neighborhood and Development Services. This item is an opportunity for the commission to discuss next steps with the Summit Street Monument. In your agenda packet, we've included a report that was prepared by Atlas Preservation. And we consulted with Atlas Preservation a year or so ago for them to take a look at the Summit Street Monument and outline some options for preserving the monument. So in that report, it outlines some options for leaving the monument in its current location and restoring it. But the report does recommend relocating it indoors to a climate-controlled environment. So that would include finding a facility to house the monument, carefully moving it to that location, and potentially creating a replica of the monument to replace the original in the same location. So that's a very brief summary of the report. Um, but at this time, it's just an opportunity for the commission to discuss how they would like to move forward. Great. You're available for questions if yeah. we have some. I've got a couple, so I, but I'll let other folks go first if there are any. Uh, so I've got uh, a couple. What? So the report was dated June 1st of 20, 2019. Today's August 21st of 2020. I just trying to understand, that's a two-year gap mm -hmm. from the time it got it to the time we see it. I'm just trying to understand and help other folks understand why that, that gap may exist. Is that limited to the, is that due to the limited staff time? Well, I think originally, before we presented it to the commission, we had planned to reach out to some potential museums or locations that could house the, the monument. We have yet to do that. Um, so we just, based on your inquiry, Kevin, we decided to move it forward. And if you do want us to follow up with museums, we can do that. Um, also, uh, are there, the thing that I think that seemed missing to me was cost guesstimates for these things, yeah. which I, 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 when we first talked about this grant before I was even chair, I think, you know, when we were applying for it, I, I thought maybe we would get some of those because I think that drives the choices, right? I mean, obviously if trying to safely move it is, uh, very expensive that may limit those options if the costs associated with leaving it in place are a lot less than we might think or, or maybe even moving it is less than we think right we should have no idea what that looks like I'm just, it seems to me the would be the primary driver of how we would weigh in on i mean obviously there's like the historic discussion but the the it seems like cost is a driver here um, and just wondering we do not have cost estimates. The contract that we executed with Atlas Preservation didn't include any cost estimates. Gotcha. 
Um, and then uh, how would we get those if we wanted them? I guess we would have to um, budget to hire another consultant to put together some estimates. Gotcha. Do, do we apply for grants that could maybe help with that? Yeah. There are CLG grants that we could apply for. Okay. I just, we haven't applied for grants in some time. I think there's some, I just am wondering, is that, there's some staff limitations to being able to do that is my understanding, but I could be wrong on that. I mean, if the commission wants to explore us getting a grant for this, we could do this. I think it's, it's really about priorities and um, which projects you want us to pursue and which are most important. And um, that's up to the commission, I guess. Okay. Thanks. That's helpful. I just was trying to kind of get a sense of the larger picture mm -hmm. here and try to help some of our newer commissioners understand some of the context here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my apologies if this was covered in the, uh, the write-up. I wanted to know how time-sensitive this is. How quickly is this progressing? I mean, if it waited another couple years, would there be visible additional deterioration? I don't know if I can answer that. I mean, the report, I mean, the reason that we even started um, and work, working with Atlas Preservation is because it is in really bad condition. Um, I, I don't know if Jessica has any idea on no, how pressing it is. Every time I talk to him, he seemed to think that it's going to just exponentially get worse because once the surface really starts to de degrade, it allows more water. And, you know, as climate change happens, we get more acid in our rain that affects limestone pretty drastically. And um, But I don't think that he provided anything about, like, you have to move it in two years or it's not going to be there or anything along those lines. Okay, thanks. Uh, I also wanted to add, you know, one of the, it's, we'll talk about this when we get to the work plan, but in our work plan we address this. One of the things that the council's trying to do is kind of invest in public infrastructure facilities, fiscal reserves, trying to just kind of get their take care of the things that they already have. Um, and this, I know, seems like an odd part of that infrastructure, but, but it is. I mean, it's a city monument, a uh, city-owned resource. Um, and so I think, you know, as we try to tie our work plan into the council priorities, this is part of the reason why we were uh, included that. Oh, another thing I would point out, actually, the plaque was put on by the DAR back a long, long time ago. And they have, they knew about our study and they reached out and, if something happens, they want to be involved. I don't know that that would involve anything financial, but I, I, I don't know. We, they just mentioned the fact that they would like oh, to be involved. great to know. I'm wondering too, this is kind of outside the scope of things, but um, if it's moisture that's causing the issue, if we table this for a while, would we ever consider somehow just sheltering it where it is now? I mean, I know that would be an eyesore, but I'm just wondering if that would help preserve it. Um, and, and again, I didn't, uh, I know there are a lot of details about how it's wearing. Um, I think it could potentially be done beautifully if it was, you know, um, like depending on the metal used for framing and, the gla and gla whether glass would be appropriate or safe. Um, out, outside, it could be lovely, but I don't know if that would be yeah, practical. Yeah, I know. And you would probably need to pour a foundation for it and everything and move it regardless. It's about the, the property line for the right-of-way is like a foot to the 
property owner's side. Oh, so it's pretty close. I mean, they do have, the city has a strip of land on the owner's side of the sidewalk here. So it is on the city property, but not all of that not area. I was curious about that too. I looked that up today. It's roughly. It's a toughie. I mean, my instinct is to say, yes, it should be indoors and yes, there should be a replica made and it should probably be done, you know, maybe it's not type priority, but it could, it could break in half. And it's important to the city, city's history. And there's not very many things like this here. Yeah, we certainly don't have a lot of kind of original Iowa City material mm -mm. anywhere. I wish Cecile was here because she represents obviously the Summit Street District mm -hmm. um, and would love to right. hear her thoughts. Um, well, it's, it seems to me like we've got, maybe we could, um, we could talk to Cecile and, and see if there's some, I don't know if, if, if there's some, if Summit Street has its own neighborhood beyond kind of Longfellow or if there's some activity there. Um, but I'm wondering if we could maybe think about engaging with the DAR and some Summit Street folks and and think about the interest level in terms of um, either partnering on that, uh, on a grant to kind of figure out the costs, you know, because that to me is the only, you know, if it's, again, it's, I mean, um, and then maybe we could, you know, revisit in a, in a couple months uh, and just see what we can, you know, reach out. I think I'd, I'd love to be connected with the, DAR and I'm happy to reach out to them and, and visit and see where they're what they're thinking and maybe I could talk we could talk to Cecile and see what she's thinking and um, kind of report back um, at a lighter meeting I mean a meeting where we don't have a lot of other agenda items you know in, in two or three months um, and it might be worth uh, if you've got some time just like check there's only a couple options I think probably for an indoor place to move it you know I don't know if it's even worth checking to see if there's anyone who would want it or at least seeing if there's if they have any interest in it because um, if they don't that obviously i mean to me it's like the old capital museum is the like the only perhaps the courthouse yeah inside perhaps yeah mm. or maybe the new stanley i think yeah potentially uh anyway i think maybe starting with uh um, Old Capitol Museum might be a good place to start, mm -hmm. just with like a one-off call, and if mm -hmm. just to kind of get one assessment of what someone who might be willing to take it, and then I can follow up with if you guys can do that, and I can follow up with Dar and, and Cecile, um, and then we can maybe report back in a couple a couple months. Does that sound? Sounds great. Would it make sense to price uh, the cost of you know what would it be like a, a cloche kind of over it? Uh, maybe plexiglass with ventilation and a little roof just to keep the elements from damaging it more. I'm just not sure, given the fact that it's on city property, how, you know, it's close to a street, so they're going to have concerns about things next to the sidewalk, I would assume, but I don't. And I, I would almost say if a new if a new structure was put up there, I, I don't know if it would be possible to remove this plaque and use that on the new structure. I that or if that would damage it even further, or <laughs> take away from the, its historic nature. Well, the the plaque was actually put on later, so it's not it original. Okay. So I think in the report they do recommend if we if it were relocated to indoors. 
that the plaque should be removed. Potentially. Should be removed. Yeah. Got it. Clean. When you said yeah. a long, long time ago, but I didn't see him. I that can't word. remember if it was like the. 30s. The Daughters of the American Revolution oh, put it on. In like 30, yeah. Oh, 20s. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah, I think it was 20s okay. or 30s. I think. So I think there was one of one of those things when this came up as a seed of an idea. I mean, it was to remove it because it's deteriorating mm -hmm. and maybe put it in old capital or something like that. And. You know, he came up with some options in the report, like the fact that that should really be removed because of what it's doing also to the stone. And, you know, that might be an opportunity, and I don't know how the DAR would feel about it, where maybe if there was a replica of some kind, that their plaque could be all still outside yeah. on the replica instead of the, on the original. The plaque is cool looking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it adds quite a bit to it, and it gives, it gives you something to read. So that, so that would be... Uh, my hope. There's a limited number of people who can do the repairs mm -hmm. and the replica, but given the the state has contractors who fix gravestones and lists and stuff like that, but to do the study, the person that we hired was one of the only in the country we could track down. Wow, that surprises me. Um, all right, I think we got some next steps. You're going to forward me the DAR. Yeah, I'll have to find it. It's an email from okay. a while ago. Okay. Uh, and then I'll follow up with Cecile, and then um, we'll check back. Okay. Great. All right, on to the discussion of the Montgomery Butler House. All right. So this is also similar to the Summit Street Monument, an opportunity for the commission to discuss next steps with the Montgomery Butler House. Just a little background. Um, the city actually purchased this property in 1995 um, when we expanded our water treatment plant. In 2001, Marla Svensson completed a report, um, and which was included in your packet, a feasibility study that examined some options on how to preserve the building. Um, there were several that were looked at. The main um, option and kind of the preference that was identified in that 2001 report was reusing the property as a historic site and interpretive center um, to be open to the public. And last year, the chair of the commission uh, wrote a memo to the commission regarding this house. And in that memo, the chair requested that staff help the commission form a working group of city staff and citizens to develop a path forward. Um, earlier this year, staff went out to the site um, from several departments to take a look at the building and to try to ass assess, you know, what could be done, what, um, how different departments could reuse the building in its current location. Um, there, there are some constraints related to the site. It's, um, it's not accessible. It is accessible from the trail, but it's not near the parking lot. Um, so you can see where the parking lot is north of the site there. So you have to walk quite a ways to get up to the house. Oh, um, there's a trail. It's not accessible by a vehicle, and it's also not connected to sanitary uh, sewer or water. Um, but we discussed some options, and the, the one option that uh, city staff felt might be feasible is um, relocating a portion of the house to as kind of an interpretive art project or something like that closer to the trailhead. Jessica, can you go back to that map? 
so closer to the trailhead at the end of the like end of the parking lot. Here? By there, by the parking lot. Yeah. So it could be some sort of shelter or park amenity or something like that. So that's kind of where we're at, um, and it's really commission's um, <coughs> opportunity to discuss it tonight. Um, this does include multiple commissions, multiple city departments. So there will need to be coordination with all those groups moving forward. A couple of things, and I wanted to add, while I wrote the memo and, and initiated the request, the full commission also asked for that. I mean, I, I specifically wanted to make sure there was commission buy-in on that request. So it wasn't just for me, it should the commission. I just want to make sure that's reflected. Um, a couple other things, just I think the summary of the doc of kind of like where we've been, I think was really helpful, but a few items from just even earlier. Um, you know, there was uh, another working group very similar that was Historic Preservation, the Parks Commission, and some Natural Areas Commission, some trails groups um, that met in 1996 and came up with 10 different options. Some of them are not feasible, uh, you know, or, or just don't make a sense in the like, 25 years or whatever that, whatever that is. Um, and then when the, uh, the council uh, couldn't bid on um, starting this project, the Waterworks project, until they come to an agreement with the, um, uh, the water treatment plant project can move forward now that the Army Corps of Engineers, the State Preservation Office, and the city agreed on how to preserve the Montgomery Butler House. The city council agreed on December 9th, 1997 to accept a three-way agreement, which included the city will stabilize the house in the short term, but uh, later must renovate the house commensurate with its ability to fund rehabilitation efforts, the agreement said, according to the Gazette in 1997. So just some, a little, some prehistory to that. Uh, history that you started, I think, in 2001 with uh, Marlis's um, survey. And I don't have my full packet here, but I also recall that the, the, we'd have to get council approval for any kind of public engagement. Is that right? Well, it Potentially because it includes the Parks Commission, Parks and Rec Department, Public Works Department, our department, your commission. I mean, it's a lot of different people and we may need to get some input from the council on, based on other priorities and other um, projects that those departments are working okay. on. So we, we, which was what we were trying to do with our original request, right, which was getting those groups together? Well, if you want us to write a, if you have a, if you want, if the request is to form a working group, we can put a memo together to the council um, and ask that these, all of these groups, someone from all of these groups be represented on that working group. Yeah, I think that's what we were, I mean, I, when I wrote the original memo, that was my intent was to kind of ask how to, what, what the process is to, to form that and knowing that there was, right, so public works over, well, this is a park, Public Works oversees the land because it's the Waterworks site. Obviously, again, we've got another historic asset the city acquired. They, at at least uh, 26 years ago or whatever, made an agreement to try to um, uh, rehabilitate when funds became available. I mean, we've had 25 years of funds. Um, it seems like we should, you know, try to form a working group and, and seek broader input from more than you know. I, I think the staff assessment's a great start, but. You know, when, when the city proposed um, uh, solar panels on portions of the 
um, Waterworks Park, the city got, I think, 150 emails from Waterworks Park users. You know, one of them might have an idea. I think, you know, my, my, my intention was to not be prescriptive about what the solution is, but to get, you know, getting all the folks who need to talk, which include the different city departments and the, um, and some representatives from those areas, uh, parks, the specific park users, trail users, um, you know, the parks department and, and our commission was my intent. And I think the commission's intent when we asked for that last, last year. So I don't know if folks still feel like we should ask for that or if we should just let this continue to, to fall back to nature. I am against doing nothing with the house. I, I really do think that we have so few uh, places like this that it is this is why we're here is to preserve them. And um, we uh, the fact that it's next to a trail, um, cyclists would probably love to have a space like this. I mean, I just think that there's a world of opportunity for events. Um, I don't quite understand why it would need to be moved when we could pour a parking lot that was, you know, or some kind of drive that would make it accessible um, by cyclists and by car. Um, I just think it, it could be a wonderful space. It's, I, I have, I see absolutely, I mean, besides money, obviously, I, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't move forward in pre preserving this space and making it a, a, a public use building. And I, I, yeah, I, whatever we can do to get public input, I think to support that would be wonderful. Go ahead. I, I did have a question about the archeological resources on the site. So I saw in the report that um, some work had been done by Bear Creek Archeology. span um, I don't know, I haven't seen the report for that, obviously. Um, are you able to say any more about what they recommended happen or what's like, what, what are intact, are there intact deposits there? What did that look like? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Jessica, I don't know if you know anything about the no, archeological I, on the site. I have limited knowledge of archeology, span so I turn to you, Margaret, but mm -hmm. um, I have like most of the study, but it is all hard copy. And so I can look into that and, and see what I can find about the, the archeology span of the site and what has been happened that might be in this study, the larger study. Okay, yeah, I saw that Richard Carlson was involved in putting together the National Register nomination. And so um, I don't know if there will be obligations to do a certain amount of archeology span before further developing the site, but certainly the Office of the State Archaeologist would, would know that. I just wanted to also mention that um, the University of Iowa Department of Anthropology is always looking for local opportunities to do field schools because students really want to work locally. And so um, obviously, you know, I guess there's a possibility of having some legal obligations, which would be separate from this, but you know, there was a mention of interest in volunteer um, volunteers working on an archaeological project at the site, and that's the kind of thing that the department would be very interested in collaborating on. So, kind of an arrangement, perhaps similar to that of the the pest house earlier. Um, so, I just wanted to mention that in case there's some interest in that angle later. That just makes me think, kind of on an unrelated note. Oftentimes, for development projects, they have to do archaeological studies prior to development as part of our sensitive areas ordinance. So right. That's right. all done by the developer, but I don't know if there would be opportunities to for the whoever they consult with to do the study to coordinate 
for a field study with, with students? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be the, the, the part that, I mean, depending upon what was decided with the site, or there would be the part that would be directly affected, and of course that would be the part that would have to be um, mitigated. But then there are perhaps areas of intact deposits immediately outside that that the city could choose if there was interest to do more with in terms of archaeological excavation. So. I like the idea of saving the house, but I'm also thinking of things like the Sinksy Gilmore house. So if money and time and energy is dedicated to this and suddenly that becomes a front burner project in terms of it needs money or the university will demolish it, I'd rather devote energy there rather than have someone like council say, you chose to work on this project. <laughs> um, so if, if uh, we could have a timeline of maybe, I guess if an archeological study has to be done anyway, if that could be opened up or do we have to initiate and say we're officially making this project a front burner? I, I don't know that we need to do an archaeological oh, okay. study at this point. I think, like you were saying, if, if the site was developed potentially, and maybe this study's already been done, and we can look into that. Yeah, it, it's possible that Bear Creek put together a map of areas where there seemed to be potentially significant deposits that would be, yeah, I mean, assuming that's what that they may have done in that first pass anyway. I think there's some worth to this property, too, as... Um, a site of farming history. I think it's incredible, the pictures of the brothers out with the hogs, you know, and it's, I think it's exciting that the city um, kind of has realm over this, this spot that was once a farm. Um, and that seems really exciting to me. And I think that it's tucked back in this spot is part of its charm. Um, I agree that I, I don't think I'd want to move it. I realize we're not talking about steps like that right now, but you don't know how many times I wanted to trespass there because I thought, what is up there? <laughs> you drive by it and it's, there's, you can just see an edge of a building. And I, I did not know this history. It's fascinating. Um, so I'm, it, I'm glad. It is public property, so feel free to go oh. take a walk up there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of poison ivy though. Okay. <laughs> Part of the deterrence strategy, I guess. <laughs> I, look, Sherry, I get your point in terms of setting priorities, and, and I, I think we just have to, like, pressure the council on all fronts. Like, that's, like, my, you know, we can't, they, they respond to what is in front of them, and, you know, look, I, I, I agree we have to be careful about that, but I think this is a city-owned property, and they, they, we, as a city, have some obligation to make some choices about this, or, or the choice is just going to be made. I mean, that's really the, the piece. Um, but I, I do get it. I just, I don't know that just got to keep pushing on all fronts is kind of my, my take on it. Um, I think particularly too, just one other, like, I always think of um, Walter Butler and his wife as kind of the godparents of Iowa City. You know, mm -hmm. that when Iowa City had, had gotten legally the, um, had the territorial governor or government had moved the capital from Burlington to Iowa City, they had done it, and th but there was no structure for the legislature to meet, legislature to meet in uh, mm. because the capital hadn't started and any of that. And so Walter Butler and, and his wife, who eventually lived here and, and owned this property, uh, put together a, um, like a hotel called Butler's Hotel 
um, where I think kind of cookies and more is now, um, kind of <laughs> facing the MMR. They called it the lean to capital because it was kind of sturdy enough. Um, so I, I like to think of the, you know, Walter and, and Mrs. Butler as kind of like the godparents of Iowa City because there was a lot of other communities in the state that were like, yeah, you, you, can, you can meet there eventually, but you don't have any home to meet there. And so they were going to meet somewhere else, even though the law kind of said it, and they could have been the capital. We might not have had the old capital and all this other stuff if you mm -hmm. play that game with history. But I just think they're also kind of, and they both, you know, uh, Territorial governor, territorial government in Iowa had these awful um, racist laws that required uh, people of color to get uh, a bond signed when they came to the state of Iowa or the territory of Iowa. Um, and, and the butlers were often people who would sign that bond and, and basically uh, say that if something, it, uh, they had, it was, I'm trying to say it what they were saying at the time because it's, but it's so uncomfortably racist it's hard to acknowledge but um, you know people have, like black people had to sign had to find someone to basically say I if something if, if I misbehave right uh, some white, white person will stand up for me um, and that's the only way that people of color could kind of move into Iowa City in these awful racist laws that our ancestors passed uh, and the butlers were often people who would sign those bonds, essentially. Um, mm. So they're, I think, pretty significant people. Um, you know, I don't know that uh, some of that history is, uh, I just think it's important to, to think about and, and to preserve as we're thinking about these things. All right, so uh, do we have, do we have like a majority of the commission who would like to ask for uh, some kind of working group? I yes. think that's kind of the, the next step. Okay, great, thank you, Anne. Thanks, Anne. Okay, all right, on to item G, the report on certificates issued by chair and staff. I'll go through them quickly. <laughs> um, we have a garage here that needs some repair. It had some windows that didn't even have frames all around them and um, some soffits and stuff that needed repair. Um, this is, oh. <laughs> That's in uh, the Northside Historic District. Uh, this house is in the Goosetown Horseman Conservation District. The portion here is historic. All of this is an addition, interestingly, before the district was created. They're uh, replacing these steps. They're going to put a handrail here and no handrail here. Um, 816 College and its neighbor, actually 824, both of them are having their roof shingles replaced. Ta same owner. 1022 East College, house of a former commissioner, being uh, repaired, wood repaired, floor repaired, and it will be painted this um, fall maybe. 1036 Woodlawn. Um, this is just so fascinating, honestly. The fact that so porches, they always install the floor so that it's perpendicular to the wall of the house. So if you have a wraparound porch, it's a mitered corner, so it slopes out the water. Well, you have here a big curving porch under this uh, tower. And so all of the porch boards are uh, cut in pie shapes so that it all comes to a point. It's <coughs> fascinating. Uh, but it also needs to be replaced, and they will make it match. 
935 East College is hopefully starting a few big projects, but for now they're going to be replacing all of the roof shingles. And, you know, they have some details. Uh, we included in the approval to retain and reinstall any of the metal that they can. Um, since it's already on an asphalt shingle, one would assume that they can reinstall it anyway. Uh, 811 Brown Street, uh, the rake boards on the front of the gable are heavily deteriorated um, just at the ends. So they'll likely pick a place that's not just at the end and cut it off and put new ones on to match. All of the ends are that way. Um, 704 Clark is potentially one of the oldest houses in this uh, area. Um, and it's had a lot of interesting work done. And for some reason, and I can't figure out why, this porch had to be, it didn't exist in uh, 92. It was rebuilt and these are Menards columns. Mm -hmm. So of course they're deteriorating and they'll be replaced with new Menards columns. <laughs> we don't have any idea what the original, it had an original front porch there, but we, we don't know. It was probably, we don't know if it had any ornamentation or not. Um, 418 North Gilbert Street in the Northside Historic District. Um, this is actually one of the newel posts for the steps and it will be replaced to match. Uh, 324 East Jefferson uh, is one of a bunch of houses that are going to be re-roofed all by the same company. This is just the first one we got approved. Um, so we've never approved anything because this is our newest historic district. So uh, new project. Uh, right here, but I think this neighbor and the corner neighbor are also going to be re-roofed too. Uh, we had some, s several just staff reviews, uh, replacing the porch steps and the floor on this house. Um, replacing the roof shingles here. Um, this is a porch reconstruction. Interestingly, all of the below the porch is concrete. So I'm not sure what this, how the structure is, uh, if it's sitting directly on a concrete slab or if it's bridging something, I don't know, but it's all rotting. If it's sitting on the slab, it could be because water's trapping there, but they are replacing the structure and the floor and retaining the columns and the railing. It's a, interestingly decorative. This has been modified. The house did not originally look like this. Um, Chair and staff, we review some things that are a little bit bigger, but not necessarily need to come to the commission. And we also review things that are minor changes to a previous uh, approval. A long time ago, this house got approval to have this little picket fence and an above ground pool. And um, they did that and then removed it. And now they are going to put in in-ground pool using the same fence. And so we basically just had to approve that. An in-ground pool would seemingly be better than an above-ground pool because it's submerged. But let's see. <laughs> this one's fun. 429 Ronalds. This was a university partnership house, and the owner who bought it from the university rebuilt the porch, getting approval because it didn't exist, which was great. Uh, built a structure which d would not have needed a, a approval if it was just this but they added a second floor it had to come to the commission it was very hard for the commission to approve it 
Um, nobody really wanted to, but it got approved, and the new owner it, it is... It was already built. <laughs> yeah, it was built without a permit. He I, added to the I second floor. He couldn't use it. He had to change some railings and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, this was different. But the new owner wants to take it down. <laughs> so it won't be there anymore. All right. Uh, consideration of minutes for, uh, from the July 8th meeting. Anyone have any edits? If not, someone want to move to approve the minutes? Sellergren, uh, I move to approve the minutes from July 8th, 2021. Grass, second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Minutes are approved. All right, commission discussion. Uh, I also, I before we do this real quick, I also neglected to welcome our officially I, last meeting. I feel like I didn't give uh, Deanna a chance to introduce herself, and this is Frank's second round on the commission, but new to a lot of us. So I thought maybe before we did do that, let you guys introduce yourself a little bit, um, just kind of who you, you are. You know, everybody could. We could do that too. Um, it's brief. <laughs> well, why don't we start with Frank and work our way down? Uh, native Iowa Cityan, born in the shadows of Kinnick Stadium and grew up on the west side and then on the east side. My parents still live out in Woodlawn, second house on the right, and I was on the commission for a long time. A long time, a couple terms ago, and I'm glad to be back on. I enjoy it. And you're a contractor by trade. And I work only on older projects. Anything after 1930, I'm not interested in. I just am excited to have your expertise on the commission. We lost um, Quentin, who has a lot of that same experience. I'm happy to have that. And I would just point out, no chimneys are ever, ever tied to wood in the house. Those guys don't know what they were talking about. <laughs> it is a 100% vertical structure. You can replace it. You don't have to add rafters to support a chimney. I've taken a lot of chimneys down. They are never tied to wood of a structure but that's just that, that, that's you part of your introduction of that's the, part of my introduction <laughs> i'm like <laughs> anyway and i'm you. yeah i'm deanna thoman and i've heard your name before okay. probably because of course i live in an old house yeah. on fairchild street in the north side and i'm always asking who works on old homes who can do this who can do that and um i know i had quite a few little projects that went to um, the commission back in the day and so I'm excited to be part of this and my sister was on the board quite a few years ago I was she gonna might ask have been, yeah I remember your name but it was the, your sister right Dana is Dana her name. yes yes and Got so it. yeah we're the two odd sisters living in this old house that used to be our great great grandparents home oh, wow. um, it came on the market when we were in college and uh, I've always lived in old homes grew up in an old farmhouse and so I'm really enjoying, I've been in this house for 20 years now, but I never thought I'd be a city girl, but gosh dang, Iowa City's great. <laughs> and just having everything that's walkable, um, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm Kevin Boyd, I'm the chair. I represent at large seat, although I do live um, in, uh, in the Brown Street Historic District, which is where near, near Sherry and not too far from you and, mm -hmm. and others. Um, this is my second full term. I served like four months of an unexpired term, uh, and I have two, just under two years left of my term. Not that I am counting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, uh, my name is Jordan Seligren. I'm at large. Um, I, I decided to join the commission because I live in a, a lovely historic four-square home that used to have a 
barn that was in perfect condition, and I watched it being tear, oh. torn down over the course of a few days, and it is my goal to prevent that from happening to future, uh, in future projects. So. Uh, my name is Noah Stork, and I've lived in Iowa City since 2005. I've lived kind of all over the city, uh, east side only, I should say that, east of the river, but um, I represent the College Green Historic District and have an old four-square built before 1913. It's old and um, just kind of doing little projects on that. Um, I, we wanted to put up a deck and Jessica and Ann said no, <laughs> didn't make it to the commission, email only. <laughs> so I'm just really curious about how this all works out and, and living amongst a lot of um, rental properties um, in historic districts, it, it's just really interesting. Um, kind of bring an open mind to it, I guess, and just feeling like I'm really just soaking everything in right now and going from there. Okay. Noah, I would like to add that that was a zoning code issue, not a preservation <laughs> issue. Ah. <laughs> Sherry, would you like to I'm Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, Sherry or Sharon DeGraw. I live on Brown Street, so I'm Brown Street District. Um, our house is 1900s. It has really great old woodwork inside with um, original panel doors and just kind of thriving on learning about older homes and how to maintain them. I'm Margaret Beck. I'm an at-large member. Um, I live in a 1950s ranch. North of what I learned is Tank Town. I didn't know that. and. Uh, I actually work, have worked in a lot of older buildings and um, just as an archaeologist, I mean, I, and, I, and I live in Iowa City and I, I've lived here since 2007 and I just love the fact that these, you know, as somebody who likes their 50s ranch just fine, right? But my living in this city is so enriched by all these other buildings. I mean, just where I work and where I take walks and just, and so I feel really strongly they really are for everyone, you know, and this work is really important. And so, anyway, I'm happy to be on the commission. Thank you. Carl Brown, uh, I live over in Longfellow on Sheridan in a Foursquare. Um, prior to that, I was on Governor Street in an 1860s place, and so I, I've had an appreciation for the, the pluses and the minuses of living in old homes. I, I can appreciate both of those. Anyways, I've been on the commission for just over a year in Iowa City since 2008. Carl, were your parents just visiting recently? They were, yes. Oh, and they, yep. They That's my, why your name sounded familiar. <laughs> they stayed at my Airbnb. Yes. <laughs> um, great. Well, we still have two uh, items uh, on the commission discussion item. I, the first is kind of the input on the American Rescue Plan Act, and I think that's the most significant one because the city's got a lot of resources coming its way, and I feel like we often talk about uh, not having enough, and so I think now is our opportunity, right, to, to offer some... Uh, suggestions on how to spend those resources you know should they uh, how they should proceed with this this is that uh, yeah okay yeah oh this is just like there's no official it's not really the Commission officially weighing into the council Yeah, okay. Yeah, I well, guess I would recommend both as a group yeah. if you have them. Great, then. well, I have seven. <laughs> I don't know if other, other folks have items. I basically took our work plan and 
things that required resources, put them in as a request. So I'll start, and then other folks can add things. Is that uh, does that work? Um, okay. So. Uh, well, let me start with uh, the first is, I think, some context for the newer commissioners. The, uh, our staff, the Jessica staff time is limited at 20 hours a week and kind of picks up projects as needed. Um, but one of the challenges that we've had in the last few years is the kind of limited staff time, um, particularly for residents at busier windows of, of requests coming in to, to Jessica. Um, and the previous director allowed for Kind of approval of a few extra hours here or there to help when when applications are really busy to help people get responses quickly. Um, that that's not the case now, and and so the public wait time is gone. We've kind of cut down on grants and cut down on some of the other stuff that that we're trying to do. Um, so I think obviously one is is increased staff time uh, on preservation issues. Uh, increased staff time for a historic preservation planner with the expertise on that. Um, the second is our historic preservation fund. You know, we annually have a, a fund that's uh, allocated for folks who want to do work on their house, and maybe um, it's either as a low, no interest loan under over a certain income and, and a grant for those under a certain income. Um, and that is a very popular program, and usually is we max out every year. I don't know how. I think it's like. So I'd, I'd like to increase resources in that. Um, we're seeing the increase of people interested in their homes after spending a year in it, a uh, year plus. Um, third, this is again from our work plan. We have a lot of, um, a ton of uh, digital resources or, or hard copy resources about city history and applications. You know, Jessica's in a giant binder related to the Montgomery Butler House that's only available in a giant binder. One of the things we've talked about is digitizing and investing in digitizing a lot of those resources so homeowners can learn more about their house and Iowa City people can learn more about their history. Um, fourth, uh, using city resources to stabilize and protect the, the historic resources it owns, both the Summit Street Monument and the Montgomery Butler House. Uh, fifth, uh, one of the items that we talked about in our work plan was related to uh, areas that are kind of entirely surrounded by historic districts. Um, there's a few little pockets here and there where there's, um, you know, there's no kind of protection on those and that's fine. One of the ideas that we talked about as a commission a while back and that's in the work plan is investing, thinking about using those areas in terms of form-based code. Form-based code is a resource that allows for kind of the design elements and um, kind of neighborhood fit to be prioritized, but on at, at one hand and giving the developers freedom to on use, on the other hand, and it seems like those transition neighborhoods are ripe for that form-based code. We've got kind of design elements in, nearby. Those are also the places that cause uh, a lot of um, neighborhood angst about the developments that are happening in them, and it can seems you, like a... Can you give an example of like a particular area you're... Yeah, so for example, the area uh, south of the North Side District and north of Jefferson Street. Okay. is one of them. Okay. There's also areas that abut it. You know, I think of the area between Dubuque Street and the historic districts. There's about, I don't know, 30 houses there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there's others, other areas kind of near um, some of our, it's kind of, I know the northern ones lines a little better because I live that way and, and walk that neighborhood, but mm -hmm. there are also other places in the city that I think could, could use some of that benefit. That is usually a consultant that does that. There's some opportunity to invest in that. Um, so that's kind of one of the areas I thought would be a kind of an opportunity to take a proactive look and provide some um, certainty for developers and, and neighbors at the same time about about those things. 
Um, sixth, uh, add more resources to the university um, home partnership. Uh, that's not entirely historic preservation, um, but it is a lot of historic districts and offers um, opportunities for homeowners to um, move into neighborhoods. Uh, it was a more robust program four or five years ago and is limited to, I think, one or two properties per year. Um, and seventh, uh, next month, uh, I am, so one of the items in our work plan also is uh, thinking about opt-in resources for um, local landmarks to try to incentivize people to opt-in. You know, I've been working with the downtown district really since I became chair and we've investigated these downtown um, historic resources. We were just on the National Register recently. Um, and a lot of their property owners are very interested in preserving and having resources to preserve their buildings, but need some financial incentives. Um, I've been working very closely with the downtown district for several years, and we are, I kind of put together a package of items that we think could do that. Um, I'm, their board is going to vote on it this month, and I'm gonna write a memo for next month for us to review, and I think several of those things in there we should forward on again and, and think about those opt-in things. So that was my list of seven. If other folks have stuff, I'm happy to add it. Um, and if what, and welcome to thoughts on the seven. It would be, I think, more powerful if we generally as a commission, or at least the majority of us agrees with those seven things and help you to add others too. I thought they sounded like excellent proposals. Thank you. I do too. I, I was, uh, I'm really, really into the idea of having a, a strong digital resource for people to like learn about the history, especially because it uh, opens it up to all the history um, of, of Iowa City. Uh, however, I wonder. <laughs> there's those re those uh, that information is available, you know, uh, it's, and it's not going away. So I wonder if that how where that should be priority wise. That's I guess my only thought on that. Yeah, I just if we're do I know the city has talked about kind of updating their website and thinking about their digital resources. So yeah. I just want to be part of that conversation. Yeah, for sure. well, one of the reasons that I like the idea of some of the digitization and Jessica, you know that before I was part of the commission and even since I've been here, right, as, as people look at properties, um, real estate happens outside of city hall business hours or outside of part-time staff hours. So to make those resources available to someone who has a specific interest in learning about the history of the property that they might be acquiring, that is very potentially the kind of person we would love to have acquire that property. Um, so I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. And Jessica, that's not to say anything bad about your response time. It was wonderful. But wouldn't that be great if someone at 10 p.m. at night could say, oh, I'd like to see the inventory sheet for that house so I have some sense of, of what it is and what's been done with it. Is that a potential thesis project for someone if uh, the UI, uh, what department would it be at the UI? I don't, I don't know. Uh, like. Urban planning. American studies. Yeah. Yeah. Web design. So Kevin, I'd like to make another suggestion. If we if you want to make a formal request, I think that it would be also vital to tie them to the objectives and stuff as they talk about it. Oh yeah. Well, several of them sorry, I have my I did this in my notes. Um, well per, to me the particular I don't have that sheet in front of me, but um, to, to me the the one that um, you know, strengthen uh, support for vital public services, which to me is the staff time. Uh, really, almost all of these uh, fit that category. Um, I think the one that maybe doesn't is kind of the stabilizing the, the resources that the city already owns. 
Yep. Well, uh, the other one I had been writing on, but you can look at it. No, no, this is fine. I'll just if, if you just let me have a second. I'll. This is. Yeah, I mean, some of these support economic stabilization for households and businesses. Thinking about our grant program and the university program and the package of policies that's coming next month for us to talk about. I think. Um, you know, the funding objectives is, uh, where's that one? I don't know. Yeah. Does that, does that get us closer to what you were saying? Yeah. Okay. Do we have broad support from the commission, at least the majority of us for those things? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yes. Great. It's just always helpful with me. It's not characterized as mm -hmm. just me. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm happy to talk about the work plan. I feel like I kind of combined those two items. I don't know if folks had questions about it. I mostly wanted it in the packet for a lot of our new commissioners. Um, we kind of have to, we have to do a work plan um, for, I think, CHIPA, is that what we do? Or do we do CHIPA? Yeah, you do every year. You do it for the annual report to the state. Um, and so last year we kind of reworked it so that it tied in with our council priorities. But I just wanted to kind of include it in the packet. Uh, so I don't know if there's any discussion that folks want to have, but. We always can, it's easier to put an item on the agenda to discuss than not have one and then not be able to discuss it, so. But I'm not seeing much, which means we're up for any kind of commission information, which is one-way communication. Yeah, and I, I can add to that, and it, it's related. I don't, I, I think that, I don't know where it is on here, but we had um, the Kirkwood Avenue area and kind of like a preliminary look at that at least on the work plan in the past. We had an intern this summer and he was tasked with kind of doing a, a non-professional, but that kind of armchair survey, photographing within a certain boundary in the Kirkwood area that has not been studied at all. And so we have some preliminary information that could sometime be used in the future to do a more intensive survey of the area. So we have taken one step we, we should make sure we share that with their neighborhood association. Uh, yeah. Judy Nyron, they just have, they're having Lucas Farms History Days right now. I don't know if anyone, I did the history walk with some friends or a portion of it. I stopped after about an hour and a half. But like, mm -hmm. Judy has the information on like the history of all the property owners of every, I mean, it is wow. remarkable. And she gives them to like new neighbors. So mm -hmm. if we ever move forward or they want to move forward, we've got, there's a lot of information. But there's some other walks. So if you're, uh, I'm sure they're on Facebook or online. So. Uh, all right. That's it. That's it. Anything else? All right. I'll take a motion to adjourn. Seliger and I move to adjourn. DeGraw second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate yep. it. Thank you. Thank you.